oh, well, Rhiannon, you'd make a great first lady. And I was like, oh, so why is it that people don't see me as readily in that position? Um, Or nobody turned to my boyfriend and said, oh, well, you'd make a great first man or anything like that. It was, and there was a much bigger outpouring of kind of acceptance of his interest in that. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Baby Feminist. Today I chatted with sociology student Rhiannon and we chatted about challenging locker room talk, fifth wave feminism and women in the workforce and within politics. And I started off with a huge question, how do you define feminism? Oh, that's a very <laughs> broad one. Um, I think there's a lot of debate within you know, even between people that call themselves feminists. For me, it's very much um, I take it very much for gender equity um, and that's the best way that I can kind of define it. I don't think it's about women having the total power in anything or men having total power at all, but it's actually getting to that point where there's true equity between the genders um, and equality as well, but just as much equity um, and ensuring that we're, we're getting everybody up to the same point um, in all spheres. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. And I guess keeping on that kind of personal um, topic, what does feminine, like feminism mean to you and like why are you kind of interested in it? Um, feminism to me, so I I had a political interest and I, I you know, I, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I, I want to be the prime minister and all that sort of thing. Um, and it was, I was at a family event and I had said to my family, oh, you know, like I would love to go into politics one day and be like, oh, that's so cool, awesome, good job. Um, And my boyfriend was there at the time as well and he actually had a similar interest. Obviously, that's a similar interest there. Um, But when he said it, one of my family members turned to me and went, oh, well, Rhiannon, you'd make a great first lady. And I was like, oh, so why is it that people don't see me as readily in that position um or nobody turned to my boyfriend and said oh well you'd make a great first man or anything like that it was and there was a much bigger outpouring of kind of acceptance of his interest in that um and whilst that's a really small thing for me it was just kind of this epitome of even within Australia as a very modern country we're still facing a lot of the backlash and all these kind of like um, just these stereotypes of what what you can be, what you can do, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think as well that's kind of like part of where this project came from. Um, when the March for Justice and Enough is Enough rallies were happening at the start of the year, um, I guess when they were occurring, I really didn't know what was going on. I didn't really understand, like, their importance. Um, so do you want to tell me a bit about those rallies? Like, what do you know about them? Yeah, so the March for Justice um, in particular, it it was kind of this pinnacle moment for me um, 
within women's rights for Australia, within like later stage feminism. Um, we're talking fifth wave feminism at the moment. So um, looking for actual cultural acceptance, it, you know, you officially have the vote, you officially have economic rights and that sort of thing. But now that we're seeing all these sexual assault, um, harassment cases and everything like that and realising that we still don't legally have things in place that protect women, um, it, it's it was a moment for women to stand up and go, no, enough is enough, basically. Um, it, it, I, I'm incredibly impressed by just the numbers from it all the time. You know, you have 110,000 people um, attending protests and rallies. And, yeah, it's just kind of astounding that we're still getting to this point where you have to have 110,000 people just to make a statement. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think as well with that, like, um, you kind of said how it's like the fifth wave. Do you think kind of has been like a revitalisation from those rallies, like in like within Australia? I absolutely do think that. And I think that we're seeing that um, we're starting to see maybe a shift towards it that's been prompted by it. I don't know if it's an authentic shift at the moment. Um, even when you're looking at like your federal budgets and stuff like that, it, it was it was tagged as like the ladies budget and so you're getting these responses but I don't know if it's actually the organic change that we need to see happening um in workplaces you're seeing introducing um quotas and that sort of thing and um it's positive absolutely it is um and it's some changes (laughs) cautious to say better than nothing because it's like well Mm. well um but it's it's at least we're seeing some change but it's not necessarily what's needed whether it's an authentic you know um social shift or anything like that I think the march for justice is the start of an increased revolution I suppose revolution again being one of those buzzwords that as Mm. soon as you say that everybody jumps back and gets fearful um but I think I think it is, and we've seen it happen time and time again in the past. You know, you see it, you see it in the late sixties and seventies, um, you saw it in nineteen twenties and thirties, um, and realistically, it's going to keep happening for numerous social issues, yeah, um, until we reach a, a, a good point, and we're not there yet. Yeah, what do you think a good point would be? Like that's such a hard kind of. Oh, it really is. It's really really difficult. I think. Like I said before, my my idea of gender equity, so it's acknowledging, you know, if one of the big things of, you know, if women want to stay home, they can and have the option to do so and there's no judgment there. Women want to go into the workplace, they absolutely can. Um, If they want to be able to do both, they absolutely can. But also that what does that look like for men and having that role there, you know. Um, One of the big things um, in the um, in the budget this year was this childcare subsidy and everything. And it was actually argued for, oh, it's a women's, um, it's supporting women and everything like that. Mm. It's like, well, no, that's families and men yeah. have kids too. And as soon as we keep labeling these sorts of things as a women's issue, we're, we're not going to see the change. So I think for me, a good point is when, you know, men can take appropriate paternity leave women can take appropriate maternity leave and have options around that, whether that looks like um, 
you have six months off and then you can choose another six months or you can have 12 months at half pay or something like that so that families actually have that flexibility. Um, for me, it looks like having 50-50 in um, leadership positions, I don't really see a reason for it not to unless then you look at the industries and you go, is it a male-dominated industry? One, you question why is it a male-dominated industry? Mm-hmm. Is it because women don't have an interest in it? And there's always this big nature nurture toss-up and from that very um, small issue to the very large issue of, you know, is this an industry that women want to be in? But if you have, like, I personally work in the disability space mm-hmm. um, and within that industry it's really odd that 70% of the workforce is women and 60% of the leadership management is men. Okay. And so okay. like, so what's happening there? What is the disconnect? You've obviously got people jumping over from corporate enterprises into this not-for-profit, but that's not actually reflecting the workforce that you have. And so I think ultimately for me, it's about reflecting whatever that industry is um, and, and then Australia as a whole as well. So we have close to 50-50 men, it's actually slightly more women. So what does that actually look like for our leadership? Um, And then that gets filtered down to the bottom level, I think, as well. Yeah. And how can that, how do you think that can start? Like what, how in the political sphere, like how can that just happen sort of thing? What kind of actions need to be taken? Yeah, so I think the March for Justice is definitely something, the, the starting point. I'm always cautious on protests, not because I don't think that they're not a really beneficial thing and absolutely now we are seeing March for Justice that has been the Black Lives Matter movement um, is working towards, um, you know, increasing the rights for whether it's Indigenous Australians or um, Black Australians in general, people of colour. The March for Justice protest, I think, is absolutely the starting point, but the next thing we actually need to be doing is having conversations. Um one of the things I had real hesitation with at the start of the March for Justice was um, one of the leaders of the March has actually rejected a meeting with the Prime Minister in private and I understood it on principle in going, no, come and meet us here and be open to the conversation, that sort of thing. But I'm very much of the opinion that the change isn't actually going to happen, the the legislative change or the conversation that we're having, that's not going to happen on the street. It's taking what's happening on the street into the boardroom, um, into the office and that sort of thing. And that's where the change is hopefully going to happen. That's maybe it's an optimistic view of our political system. It probably is. But I think that's where we actually will see changes, where you see the, the bills drafted and we actually have this legislative change that leads into a cultural change as well. Um, that's what I think is the next step and we're sort of seeing that, uh, but, but there's a lot of work to do still. Um, we, we're seeing drops in funding for um, the women's group within parliament and that sort of thing. And so as soon as you see a drop in that, it's like so now you're losing women's voice within those areas I don't know where it's going to go then yeah yeah I think it's like um it's hard to kind of understand those bigger players but I guess um myself obviously with this whole project and I know there's a few other people around me like I don't know what role I can play in kind of like making a change like I guess especially just starting off like this um kind of just getting um the idea out there to my friends and stuff but I still don't kind of know how I can actually help big change or like cause big change sort of thing do you have anything kind of to say about that 
Yeah, I think I'm such a big believer of either bottom up, bottom up, top down, and then we meet in the middle. So I don't think anything's going to happen if everything just changes at that top level, legislative, government-based, your, your top leadership teams in the workplace, if nothing filters down, because it's going to basically it'll trickle down but you'll actually run out at the bottom and so you'll still have these cultural um, stigmas and stereotypes that are grounded within family lives and that sort of thing for me it's challenging when you hear the the uncle go oh it's women's place in the kitchen oh well why and everybody rolls their eyes it's like oh come on we're just trying to enjoy christmas can we not do that right here okay maybe don't do it at christmas at the dinner table but afterwards go up and go hey why did you say that because a lot of the time, those sort like the language that people use, they actually don't even know why they're saying it. It's just because it's become something that's so ingrained and people have found it funny over years and that sort of thing. It's challenging locker room talk, especially with um, young boys and men and what happens with them. Um, we're seeing that a lot in school systems and everything like that, which it's slowly moving to a change. Um, but going, you know, why are you saying that? Because if we can stop it with young people, or hopefully within 20 years, which sounds like a very long time, but change <clears throat> takes time, um, within that amount of time, we we'll actually won't see that in the next generation. Um, and it's trying to basically filter that out. I think continuing to having to continue having conversations with other women and actually understanding what are the problems they're facing, opening up those connections to understand each other's experiences because they're not all going to be the same. Mm. I think we need to have a really good understanding of um, intersectionality within feminism as well and that as a white woman, I have privileges that a black woman um, doesn't have at all and in fact it is so disadvantaged compared to the privileges that I have mm. um, so actually understanding that as well and again coming back to that concept of equity and bringing <clears throat> everyone up together and so if it means that we need to support other women in getting up to the place that we are then that's what we need to focus on as well um, and we try to it, that's part of third and fourth wave feminism but it's still an ongoing issue that we're we're still seeing um challenging bosses and that sort of thing on if you get a if you get your salary or your wage or anything ask for the extra dollar do the push it and your what we're kind of seeing is women traditionally don't ask for the extra or anything like that in the workplace just because that's something that you know I need to be grateful for the position I have um you know, if it gets me by, that's, that's as much as it is, you know, whereas boys and men are actually pushed a lot more to ask for the extra and not be just content in what they give it. Mm. Um, there are so many actionable things that we can do in our everyday life that when those changes start occurring, that's what will get filtered upwards. We'll see those cultural shifts um, and hopefully the um, legal changes and everything like that will also occur to match that. Yeah, right. It's so interesting to me that you mentioned that kind of like locker room talk and um, kind of arguing back. I also, this project um, came from a few lectures that I was in and there was a few people in particular, a certain um, boy in my class and he made a few very 
obscure comments. It's happened in multiple lectures now. And every time there has been a few girls that have stood up and have known what to say. And I think um, it was so interesting to hear kind of, there was a few big, really big arguments that occurred. Um, the lecturer kind of had to really take it back. But um, <clears throat> in those classes, like he, he didn't want to hear what the girls had to say or like just whoever the conversation was with like some people just don't want to be educated about it or they won't they're not willing to listen sort of thing like how what there's what way can we go about kind of having people like having people that don't want to be involved in the conversation get involved in the conversation like they are such hard conversations to have And they really, really are. And look, honestly, it's something I'm still trying to learn and figure out for myself yeah. because there are still people that just honestly don't care. They they don't care. They don't want to hear it. And they've already got their opinions made up. And so you've kind of got these two lines of thought. Either you, you ignore them, you work on everything else and actually put the energy where it's going to matter because yeah, right. that, that's going to make, you know, instead of wasting the energy on those people. I've got one particular friend and it's somebody I've clashed with went to primary school with and so I've known him for a very long time and I clash with him a lot he's now joined um the defense force um so which is a very male dominated industry mm-hmm. and because I'm the person that I am we went to a party the other night and I decided to have a conversation about the you know um the representation of women in leadership positions there okay yeah. now the reason I specifically jumped to the leadership positions with him was because a lot of research is done around, I can't win the argument for women are physically stronger. Not at the moment with the research that there is. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to have that conversation with him because it's not going to help my case. Mm. But what I do, I jump to the leadership argument and I go, you can't actually argue that men are, are smarter than women. He goes, oh, well, no, no. So how come women don't have the representation within those leadership spheres? And he goes, oh, well, because, you know, they, they, they're not in the bottom ranks, like the bottom ranks, you know, because they're not strong enough. I went, yeah, but that's why then you need to change those bottom ranks. So because I've jumped backwards, um, you need to actually change those bottom ranks to permit women into those roles or give other avenues for leadership opportunities mm-hmm. within the defence. Because what you're actually missing there is other skills, Okay, you might have people that um, have a better emotional intelligence, um, more strategical awareness, those sorts of things that women could actually add and you're potentially missing out on. And because, you know, if I add to him just a little bit of strategy to it, you know, and that's actually a weakness then. Mm. And and you, you throw it back actually and go, oh, actually, that does make sense. There was no real good argument that he could ground on as to why you couldn't have women in leadership positions. I understand the bottom rank and everything like that, and you have to understand the limitations there. But by jumping up, you go, okay, so women still need representation, though. And that's as simple as it was. And he couldn't actually dispute that point. Yeah. Difficult conversation have, awkward and everything like that. But having that kind of um, almost playing to their strengths as well as your own, you know? Yeah. 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 It's definitely. Translates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, I definitely think so coming towards the end, I have like, I had a few questions about like what you think the future looks like and stuff like that, which we've obviously kind of covered a lot of, um, what kind of like 
is there anything else you want to say? Like, is there any particular takeaways that like you just think are so important that like people should know about or people should realize or just um, maybe things that you've heard um, over your time kind of interested in it that you think made it like had a really strong impact or influence on you? There's a few things. Yeah. One of the things that has always stuck out to me and it was um, a story that one of my interview my interview subjects from my year 12 project told me about and she goes she she was telling me how when she was in parliament she was freezing in the room she was wearing you know a normal kind of suit uh, but it, i think a skirt and blazer sort of thing okay, yeah. she was freezing there now what i didn't realize until i did this whole project was women actually have um a slightly lower body temperature and prefer mm-hmm. then uh, office to be at a hotter temperature. And she went up to one of the staff members and said, yeah, what, what? this is so cold. Why are we, why is it so freezing? He goes, oh, well, it's set at 21 degrees. I can't change it. That's the perfect temperature for men in suits. And for me, I was like, oh, wow. We have these structures set up at the moment that are designed for men Mm. or we start changing the temperature of the rooms that we are in we're not going to see the change occur and if that's half a degree at a time or or a quarter of a degree Mm. that's progress and it has to be celebrated and as women we have to celebrate you know what we can do, what we're capable of doing, and also what the future looks like. Yeah. You know, the perfect temperature for women is 25 degrees, so I'd be quite happy if we reached 23. Yeah. 23, something like that, because that, that's where we're actually at that point where we both have we both have the say. Yeah, it's a yeah. middle ground, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Okay, I think that's um, pretty much everything I needed to ask. We've already chatted for like 25 minutes, which just it didn't feel like it went for that long. Yeah, I keep looking down. I'm like, oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I guess if there's nothing else, I feel like we've covered like so many topics there and it's already like this This whole project's just going to be so like I feel like influential for me because it is just so interesting. Like I really just haven't looked into any of these topics and like I really just don't know any of this stuff. Um, but, that's, yeah, thank I- you so much for being involved. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. I'll send you um, a link to the Instagram so then any of the episodes and stuff should be up on that soon, hopefully. <laughs> no awesome. Problem. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Danielle. Have a nice day. Okay. Thanks, you too. See ya. Bye.